uh, activity in these areas. Oh, fire services. They're fine. Everyone's good. Fine. Safety first. <laughs> oh, good. Podcasting. <laughs> Wonderful. This is very Please normal for us. Please return to your normal activities. Done. Whiskey, whiskey. The singer's getting sore. We raised the roof. Now we're lowering the floor. The band is blistering, but we got a little more. When I say one, two, you say three, four. One, two, three, four. All right, welcome to the Whiskey Topic, hosted on Whiskey.Buzz. And uh, just a reminder, Jamie, do you want your Whiskey.Buzz logoed glassware from Glen Cairn? I Karen? 100% want my glassware, my local glassware. Yeah, yeah. How do I get it? Uh, I, you, there's a whole list of instructions in the show notes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not really, just copy and paste. But uh, if you have a photo on Instagram of your favorite Glen Cairn glass with your favorite whiskey, which which could be the Belvini uh, Doublewood 25 Ooh. that just came out if you have a Whoa. few thousand dollars. That's right. Uh, or... <laughs> Our friends with the brand ambassador. That's a really delicious whiskey there. Um, you can post a bottle of that and a Glen Cairn glass. Uh, we're going to pick a winner mid, mid-November. We're going to pick a winner. If you mention us on Twitter, uh, use the hashtag, the whiskey topic, yeah. and Glen Cairn, and you can get the glass. Uh, yeah. We're giving away three glasses, uh, Whiskey.Buzz Originals. Yeah. Um, they're never going to come again. This is it. This is the only time to get That's it. It's amazing. So yeah, we, um, anyway, we're very excited about the glassware. Uh, happy mm-hmm. to give out uh, fans. So there's going to be three or uh, three pairs of glasses given out and we'll get your address and send it to you. We'll pick yeah. three winners um, in November. So yeah. I love a good contest. Yeah, yeah right. I gotta win some stuff. I, I don't think I've ever won a contest in my life, <laughs> ever. Well, you're guaranteed so, to win this one. <laughs> I know. I'm guaranteed. I'm so excited that I finally won something. Well, they're giving us. They're giving Jamie Knight glassware as well. We're not, we're not taking your glassware, but um, but they're giving us some glass glassware as well. That's great. I, I love that. it. That's great. Yeah, and um, the Doublewood 25 is quite the dram. Um, mm. I would, you know, if that's not your jam, I would just say go ahead and put some Doublewood 12 in there. Mm-hmm. You know. The twenty five is, is, is a, if I may use the term, a very um, a, like it's a very aggressive whiskey. Like it's, it's big. It's yeah. a big whiskey. It's not kind of like it's not. It's it's always I always say this like the big bands when they release those twenty five, thirty, fifty dollars. Like, oh, yeah. this is so soft. Like no, this one's this one's can, proper. Yeah, yeah. I noticed yeah. that about the Belvini. The, yeah, we're, nice we're yeah we we generally put out quite soft whiskeys, so this is kind of a bit of a departure from that. It really stands up. Uh, in the glass, it's yeah. it's super lovely. And then we've got the twelve packaging that just came out with the special edition little celebratory red ribbon. So that's always fun. Red ribbon. Yeah. So it's the twenty fifth anniversary of Doublewood Twelve. So uh, it came out uh, twenty five years ago, ninety three, um, and we just did like a little sort of fun packaging change. So when that's gone, it's gone. But oh. same Doublewood. It's uh, yep, same. Same lovely stuff as always, but... We're not going to start any rumors that it might taste a little different in this batch. Will, I promise you it tastes exactly <laughs> the same. That's the whole point. <laughs> no, that's amazing. Um, and so we can start. We, we actually can start the debate. I didn't plan this ahead, but now we can. Oh, boy. Who was the first distillery to double oh! barrel whiskey? So there's actually a debate here, and our, our guest is being very polite by not yelling at us yet. Um, however, uh, there's been a debate whether it was David Stewart yes. and the Doublewood, which is the first scotch aged in two different oak, uh, first American oak and then European oak. Um, ah, now, nice there's been a bit nice of a debate one. because uh, the folks at Glenmorangie uh, uh, disagree with that statement, and uh, we, we really have no evidence either way, and I think it's always a fun debate. But 
from, from Glenn Morangi. So let's introduce our guest. Then. Let's introduce our guest, <laughs> Bry Simpson. Um, living in Canada, uh, but Bry is uh, native to Scotland. Uh, basically, immigrated to Canada a few years ago, and you're officially a Canadian citizen. Yep, okay, well, permanent, permanent resident as of for, last month. Bry, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, so, Glenn Morangi, first or second as far as double <laughs> oak maturation? I think I don't know if I, I don't know if we ever said first. Like we always say, David uh-huh. Stewart was a pioneer mm. in. Uh, definitely <laughs> yeah. doesn't preclude any other distilleries from participating in that. In that debate. In that, yeah, in that, <laughs> in, in doing that. So, like, funnily we, enough, though, let's be honest, is that <laughs> not only are we doing this on the podcast, this is the first time me and Jamie have ever spoken. We've never even spoken about. Oh, this. that's really no, funny. No, no, because you know, I mean, like, I don't know when we we sort of we joke about this a lot, sort of, um, you know, as a a brand, we sort of we know that there's that. You know, you can't really pinpoint exactly who or when or what. Or so I think we can probably equally um, take sure. credit for it. Yeah, we were the first. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I knew he was going to say that. I'm trying to be so it's lovely. So lovely that <laughs> I think uh, we 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 do use the term pioneer as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things that we can say for sure, though, like uh, at Glenmorangie, we were the first people to use such casks as like port and Madeira, mm-hmm. all sort of experimental types mm-hmm. of cask uh, for both distilleries I think the most important thing is not necessarily who was first but both of us been doing for such a long time we're pretty good at it yeah yeah, yeah. see look at that that's good that's a good answer um because at the same to give it to another thing another example is uh Glenfiddich has the general reputation of having the first kind of official age statement on a bottle but that's not really true a lot of, a lot of distilleries had age statements in the past but Glenfiddich made that more popular like was it higher selling or what have you yeah i mean glenfiddich was sort of you know in terms of single malt and marketing yeah. single malts they were they were the first um so you know it, yeah that but you know and the, people find bottles in the 20s that said oh this is an eight-year-old yeah. right so but yeah. it wasn't really a thing it wasn't a thing and then it became, it became a, a thing, thing. Um, wow, Marcus Hop like like hardballing me today. I literally just said we asked the easiest questions and now Marcus <laughs> He's really asking me the tough ones oh. today. Anyway. <laughs> well, this is how we like to start a podcast instead of an espresso, we'd all do this. Um Bri, welcome to the podcast. Welcome, um, Bri. I'm so happy he's here. Absolutely. We're gonna drink some scotch, which I'm always happy to do. Um and watch? I know, right? Shocking. Um Bri, I do we wanna start with the origin story? Brian's, uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think we, the, uh, we want to know about you first. I think yeah, we, sure. Uh, yeah, want to know how yeah, you got yeah. into this, and then your sort of journey to becoming a brand ambassador. Yeah, like in Scotland, how did you how did you get into Scotch? I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, the the education thing in Scotland is a little bit different to what it is here. Um, going when I started really to get into whiskey, it's probably my early twenties. And when you're going to Glasgow, you go to these amazing pubs: the Pot Still, the Bon Accord, the State. And as opposed to it would be over in Canada, where your first dram in a pub maybe costs you about $11, they usually have a malt of the month. Mm-hmm. And a malt of the month can be about £2. So my favourite drink in Scotland still remains this way, is to get a half and half. Mm-hmm. Now that's a half and half in English. Yeah. That's when you get a half pint, usually a Casco, one of my favourites, mm-hmm. like a Blondale. Mm-hmm. And then whatever the malt of the month is. And that always changes up. And the good thing about it is that you might not necessarily like everyone that's out there, but you get an idea to find out about your palate. Mm-hmm. And I think I said that's the biggest education you can get to begin with, see what you actually like. Uh, from that, 
there's lots of like-minded people like myself in Glasgow and as I moved around different parts of Scotland I decided that I would start a whiskey club and I know that's something that yourselves have done as well and again it's trying to get that more structured and look at whiskey more analytical but at the same time it's getting like-minded people to get their opinions on it and that started off with just six of us uh, in a flat in Inverness in Scotland and now it's grown to run about 30, maybe 40 members. Um, I'm still a part of it, even though all the way, all the way over here. Uh, yeah, so we're called the Hip Flask Hiking Club. Uh-huh. Admittedly, we do a little bit more of the hip flask and less of the hiking nowadays. <laughs> Wait, there's a hiking and drinking combination? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, 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 a lot of it would be that we would, part of the thing, would, we would go out hiking mm-hmm. in, in small groups, mm-hmm. but we'd all bring different hip flasks along with us and then yeah. we'd have a little dram as, as we go of each other's hip flask. The how only f- way I would ever go hiking. Also, how do you find your way back? <laughs> That's fine. There's, it's kind of like having a designated driver. There's like a yeah. designated hiker. <laughs> I mean, Jamie, you were doing this in Alberta the other week. Yeah, I was. I, was the... I didn't have a dram with me, but I did I did hike. And you took photos in the mountains with oh, the yeah, Instagram with, group. Oh, yeah, from barrel to bottle. That's barrel right. Bottle, yeah, yeah. We, that's right. We did actually have a dram. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> Forgot about that part. Yeah, a great bunch of lads. Yeah. 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 J- Jamie's still getting over the hiking through the woods part. It was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, so having a, having a passion for scotch uh, comes quite easy mm-hmm. in, in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Uh, but looking at whiskey in a more analytical way is probably the one thing that sort of put me towards this is something I really want to do mm-hmm. uh, as my career. Uh, moving to Canada, uh, I got to work with some fantastic people in the industry. Uh, he's, another he's he's looking at one right now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> myself. So some people know us might know this, but myself and Jamie used to work together. Um, I was working on contract for different companies. Yep. One of them was Glenfiddich, along with Jamie. Yeah. And we had a fantastic winter at we the did. distillery district. <sighs> The Christmas oh, that's market. Right. You, market. Both, you were there for that's right. Yeah. That's we right, were, there's that. a picture of us wearing Glenfiddich coats in this little hut, this yeah. little whiskey hut. That was a crazy event. In it, so much as there was a million people inside a small space and there was free booze. Yeah. 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 It was kind of like speed whiskey for the most part. Yeah. Um, we had people that were, some people were interested in what we were saying. Yeah. But then people there for the free drums, but there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. no, exactly. I, I, you it was know, so cold. And yeah, wrong it was. That. It was. But we were pretty cozy in yeah. the yeah. in yeah. the little hut that we had, and we, yeah, Brian and I worked uh, many events together um, for the Bob Benny and for Glenfiddich, and that oh, yeah. one was the that one was probably the best though. I would say so. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, really pretty in Toronto at Christmas dur- during the sort of two weeks leading up to it uh the distillery district sort of you know bathes itself in lights and does like a proper sort of european style christmas market and so one year william grant and sons did a kind of booth um section where glenfiddich had a booth and i think Hendricks gin had a mm-hmm. booth and everyone was kind of able to come in and sample all of our stuff and pretty sweet yeah yeah that's become warm you up bigger and bigger every year now you can you basically yeah. can't get yeah. there between wednesday and sunday yeah 100 if anyone's lines. in toronto anytime around christmas time i highly suggest go checking it out it's yeah. beautiful Monday, me and Brian won't be there but yeah no free whiskey this year but it was uh, it was wonderful though when yeah. i was back in scotland and i'd heard that jamie had uh, got her dream job with yeah. <laughs> yeah. and when i got back in my more recent term 
I was waiting for my work visa to come through, mm-hmm. and pretty much uh, about a month after my work visa came through, I got my dream job. Yeah, for the our big. No, it's so crazy. How far we've come, Jimmy? How far we've come? <laughs> That's amazing. We did, yeah. we did it, Bry. <laughs> That's a great point, because yeah, Jamie, Jamie wasn't officially working for Glenfiddich back then either. Yep. You do do contract work. Contract yeah, that's work. Right. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. So it was just yeah. the tasting. T- you're just, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Not everybody's brand ambassadors, changing the world yeah. in a positive, One positive way. One time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so no, that's great. You got to go to Scotland, back to Scotland, uh, to yeah, visit yeah, the distillery yeah, that you've probably right. been to before. Well, well, you know, all that effort it was of having to get my, my visa and permanent residency over in Scotland, and I got this job and they sent me back. But I wasn't. That's right, because you had to live in Scotland and wait for the paperwork oh, to come yeah, through. Oh, wow. It's a bit of a nightmare. Yeah. But yeah. I got there eventually. Yeah. But um, yeah, so but going back um, and then actually being able to say that I work for like Glenmorangie and Arbeg, going into the distillery mm-hmm. and them treating me just like family yeah. was, uh, was a huge thing. Um, getting to visit the, the lab in Edinburgh, this is where we do a lot of the, the blending. Yeah. Now, I'm happy I can actually use the word blend amongst you yeah. folk. <laughs> I don't know if the words marriage yeah. or yeah. Is, is. <laughs> yeah. We were, um, and going there, there's a magnificent, I got to meet Dr. Bill Lumsden, Jelly McDonald, and Brenda McCarran, who's her head, her whiskey creation team. Mm-hmm. And it was fantastic seeing that part of it you don't always see. You mm-hmm. know, we talk quite mm-hmm. a lot about it, what the distillery does as a whole, but mm-hmm. getting to see how the pieces are all put together. Uh, that was really was as soon as I did that I'm like that I'm a very lucky guy to have this job mm-hmm. not yeah. everyone gets to see this mm-hmm. yeah yeah and it's um and so you represent two brands uh Glenmorangie which is kind of the seen as the the kind of higher higher end brand as far as whiskey tasting you do the nice uh, higher end bottlings and Ardbeg is kind of the the more playful I guess they're both playful but Ardbeg's the peated one the little the rougher smaller production that kind of thing uh, so the, you got a nice contrast between, I guess, the, the kind of whiskey you talk so about. It's so exciting for my job. I mean, I say it quite. I start off my tasting saying it. Is brand ambassadors always look at me funny when I define their brands. They're like, mm, I don't know if that's how we would define our brand. <laughs> I'll, re- I'll reword it for you. It's okay, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I think flavor, going purely on flavor, yeah, uh, it's, it's exciting for me. Mm-hmm. Is if I do a Glenmorangie taste or our big one, the two of them are completely opposite. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, you've got Glenmorangie known as being, for the most part, quite light and fruity and quite elegant. And then the other side, you have our big, you know, this PT monster mm-hmm. from, from Isla. And it's, I think it's always good. I'm a fan of Scotch whiskey as a whole, mm-hmm. but it really keeps me busy mm-hmm. when it comes to both sides of it. Getting to see what people's opinions are. People might just be Glenmorangie drinkers. Some might just be our big, but um, it's really exciting. It's really exciting as myself to see what people's opinions are on them. Yeah. yeah. Um, just to note, um, you are saying Glen Morangy. I get yes. a- used to get asked and still hear all the time people asking how to say Balvenie. Because yes. we get Balvini, yeah. Balvini. Um, I mean, when I go to Scotland, I come back all of a sudden, I call it the Balvini because I feel <laughs> like that's what I've heard. The Balvenie. Um, like that. Yeah. So Glen Morangy, confirm. How it's pronounced. It's the only word that rhymes with orangey. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I like that. I, even there I can remember go. that one. Because some people, there's there's that thing online where that's there's a Scottish guy sitting there and he pronounces all the different names of the Scotches. Yeah, and so, I think Brian it Cox. helps people feel confident to go and order them at the bar. Like yeah. when you have something like a Bunahaven or a Bacladi, can you imagine? Like they probably don't, like these beautiful whiskeys that don't get sampled because people are just too embarrassed to try and pronounce their names. So... I think it's always good to get a little lesson. Yeah, well, yeah. we'll have one of those coming up later on. 
so I'll probably test you to see how you pronounce it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Works the worst I, I'm already looking at it scarily. I'm, I'm just going to call it the Oogie. That's... Uh, that's it, Oogie. That's as far as I'm going to get on that. But no, no, yeah. this is, these are the lessons I need in, in life. I, I agree. It's, uh, it's important to pronounce things correctly. Oh. I'm surprised Mark pronounced your name correctly, Brian. No, no right. <laughs> um, so Ardbeg, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Ardbeg, and so is Mark, mm-hmm. um, if he can taste peach. <laughs> She's not great at. <laughs> no, our back tends to be good. And it's quite beloved. It has quite a following yep. and it's got quite a fan base. So, why do you think that is? Well, I think part of it is the Arbeg story. It's not necessarily just about how good the whiskey is. That's mm-hmm. a huge component of it, of course. But the roller coaster story, as we call it, at Arbeg, mm-hmm. um, even though we opened officially in 1815, mm-hmm. there are some. Uh, notes and books that, <laughs> books that I've read mm-hmm. of distilling going on on the same site as Arbeg before that unofficially mm-hmm. but we would never get into that sort of thing of <laughs> no, course never of course <laughs> so 1815 is when we opened and as you probably know like when it comes to whiskey going through the 1800s even at the early 1900s a, the majority was just for blending mm-hmm. there wasn't a huge amount of single malts mm-hmm. marketed as single malts in that category at the mm-hmm. time and but PT whiskey and from Isla was held in high demand because that really distinctive flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, our beg had a had a little bit of a up and down history, not necessarily because of the quality of the spirit, but just because of economic times. Yeah. The biggest thing coming at the whiskey flood in the late seventies into the eighties, when a huge number of Scotch distilleries shut down, and our beg was one of them. Unfortunately, uh, then reopened, um, and it was Allied Distillers that owned it then. Uh, after it was Heron Walker from Canada, actually, that owned it before that. Things were up and down. We didn't really do a huge amount of production. Again, the, the, the industry at the time is nowhere near the boom that we're in just now. Mm-hmm. So production for most distillers is quite low. Mm-hmm. But Arbeg especially, we were only running two months of the year. Wow, and, that's amazing. And it was only, it was actually two gentlemen from another Allied Distillers distillery on Isla. And they went up and so one was a Rory McIntyre senior and a fellow called Wardy and they get sent up from Lafroig mm-hmm. to kind of man the stills for a couple of months and as far as I can gather you know in terms of what I've heard from it there's quite a lot of experimental mm-hmm. whiskey going on there they got a little bit of a free reign um, but only doing two months of the year means you're Ali Distillers didn't really know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And then eventually they closed it down. It looked like it was going to just get demolished, mm-hmm. which is incredible to think of yeah. now. Yeah. Wow. And it was Glenmorangie that bought it over in the land and reopened and re, um, refurbished the inside of it in 1996, 1997. And a couple of years later, we won a Distiller of the Year award. So it shows you kind of what they actually had but maybe just not having the right direction from the previous owners mm-hmm. or just they never had the resources to run it as full. Mm-hmm. But having that little story, I think, is what got a lot of people interested because you had people that were our big fans before, but mm-hmm. you couldn't get enough of it. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, that actually is a fully functioning distillery. Glenmorangie invested a huge amount of the money and resources into it to release, mm-hmm. a, like start to do a core range, mm-hmm. which initially started out as the 10-year-old and then later on the Ugadal. And major thing that our big committee was formed around about that time mm-hmm. so free to join members club you can join up on the website I, my understanding from uh, from what i read there was about after maybe three or four years we were delighted to say we had about three thousand members 
and now the Arbeck Committee is over 130,000 oh, worldwide. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And I think it's the, it's the quality of the whiskey that, that is the reason why we have this cult following, like, for, like first and foremost now. Uh, we have special releases that come out, which people go absolutely crazy for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's the people who go to the distillery as well. Anyone that goes to the distillery, mm-hmm. they come back with a, a little bit of Ardbeg in their hearts as well. Yeah. Aww. Ardbeg heart. I like it. I like <laughs> it. Um, well, let's let's uh, let's uh, drink some ten and heartbag. Yes, yeah, I heartbag. just made up a little thing. It's heartbag. Heartbag. Got a heartbag. Yeah, they're gonna name the next one heartbag. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The next uh, annual Can't wait for heartbag. Oh my god! Year. If you come out with a heartbag release, I swear my name better be on the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere. Yeah. So yeah. we we'll start off with a ten year old. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's, I mean, the Arbeck tends to that. Is. I love that pop. That's great. Uh, they they have um, yeah. The call following is is for real because the distillery originally uh, had to like blend old stock with new stock and to kind of keep the the age statements. And so, but the committee members would get. I'm, I'm speaking as probably poor as that, but the committee members would get a treat of it. They get like the seven and the eight and the nine of what was made at the distillery with under new ownership. And eventually, the ten came out, and that's where. That was like the first of the core range uh, intended, and the the call following is is so interesting because um, Ardbeg, even though Ardbeg, Lagavulin, and Lafroy are all neighbors, um, and Brian, you can start, please speak to this much better than I can. Um, they're so different in the type of whiskey they produce. Right, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, uh, Lagavulin is the is the kind of uh, gentler, I guess it's gentler, but it's it's a, it's a it's a gentler whiskey. Lafroig's the rougher, and then Ardbeg focuses more, I guess, on the the minerality and and, and that. So it's it's a they all have their unique expression uh, from mm-hmm. from how the whiskey's made. I find the I, f- I think anyone that's been to Isla and they go around the distilleries, you do have, maybe you can only appreciate it when you're there, but it really is like a family on Isla. You know, yeah. they, everyone knows there's some sort of rivalry. Of course, you're gonna <laughs> always have that, but the People were happy that everyone does those different styles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think there's. I, I could be wrong in this, but I don't really think there's many that are trying to copy each other's style. Yep. And with with our big, one of the things that that we are adamant about is that we don't want it just to be smoke. Is first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Uh, the there's on our pot styles, for example, there's one component of it. It's a purifier. Now there are distilleries around Scotland that have a purifier. Uh, the kind of style that we've got, I believe it's just ourselves and one other distillery that have it. But we're the only people on Isla with it. And the purifier, just to have a quick explanation to it, would be that as the vapours are going up the pot still as normal, your lighter, fruity, sweeter vapours are allowed to escape. Heavier alcohols get trapped in the purifier, they go back into the pot still, and then they get redistilled. Mm. Now, although the PPM count for our big is between 50 and 57 for a core range mm-hmm. without that purifier i think it would there's a chance it may be a little bit more one-dimensional mm-hmm. as opposed to what you actually get from our big mm-hmm. where you get the complexity of the smokes there mm-hmm. a little bit savory i think i think our big is remarkably sweet mm-hmm. personally mm-hmm. Yeah, very creamy like the, the creaminess really comes through yeah, yeah. For sure. and i think that's not necessarily about as much as people might always talk about the, the how smoky your whiskey is mm-hmm. and the kind of peaty flavors. Mm-hmm. Our big's a lot more on that, in my opinion, and I think the purifier plays a whole, a, a big part in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you like whiskey too, huh? 
My name is Kevin Van Akron, and I host a podcast called The State of Logic. We do some great interviews with both comedians and also intellectuals to kind of understand the world and also make you laugh a little bit. We also do quick podcasts to cover current events, make your life a little bit easier so you don't have to watch the mainstream media nearly as much. We all know that's a bit toxic. Come check us out at the State of Logic podcast. The Arabic um, uh, 10 um, has been on sale for now a very long time, and it's really got that same sort of cult status with you know Lefroig and, and Lagavulin, and kind of that, that same uh, same energy uh, behind it. Um, what was next for Arbeg after the 10 kind of was established? That That's a good that question. The, I think one of the, the advantages of having the committee there and some of the committee releases, it gives you a little bit of a navigation about what you want to do next. Um, the stock was, of course, as well. You know, mm-hmm. you've, you've, you've actually have this fantastic whiskey waiting in the warehouse in its own individual little parcels mm-hmm. waiting yeah. for someone to put it all together and make something. And that's where the Ugadal came in. Although there were other smaller smaller batch releases there, the next in the core range would have been the, the Ugadal, um, as opposed to the 10-year-old, which is fully in bourbon cast for 10 years. The Ugadal was a vatting, a marriage of bourbon cask and Oloroso sherry casks, and at a higher ABV as well. Yeah. Um, with the, I mean, with the ten-year-old, for example, I, I think that it says that it's complex and there's certainly like a fair bit of smoke to it. But I think it, I th- maybe it's just me. I've been drinking peaty whiskey for a long time, but I find it quite easygoing. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know? no, yeah. 100%. Yeah. I, I, I mean, actually haven't had our ten in a, in a long time. I'm yeah. really enjoying this. It's it's yeah. been because it's been a few years. So uh, I think probably. with the, so I think yeah. with the Ugadal, it's a bit different because we bump up the ABV. To fifty four point one percent, and you go in my uh, cabinet all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's my, my favorite. <laughs> no, right. it's my yeah. favorite. Yeah. So you know, like high proof. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that's yeah, just that's, always there. That's the go to <laughs> for sure. So having those two in the market, I think that was a like it's, it's giving people at the time. Um, it's not a huge range compared compared to what the stillies have now, mm-hmm. but bear in mind back then we're at our most. I'd probably say. Even when the Ugadal was launched, we were doing about eight hundred thousand liters a year at most. Yeah, it's not a huge amount. Nope. No, no. What's Bob Vinny do? <laughs> um, er, it's in the it's less than ten million yeah. liters a year. Yeah. So this, yeah, the several, yeah, yeah. It's so l- less, less Glenfiddich is like the whatever yeah. gigantic number. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it does um, a lot. And even at the moment, our big we're working. Uh, 20, just about 24 7 7 days mm-hmm. a week yeah. mm-hmm. and we're making we're, we're aiming to make this year like 1.1 million liters yeah. and yeah. that says it full pelt yeah that's amazing you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. which i think contributes to you know probably the the you know the love around it you, you yeah. can't just find it any old place yeah um yeah people really do go hunting for these whiskeys well what, what would be the one that you would say would be the the one to introduce people to Arbeg. Would you say that was the 10? Well, I think our, our new release, which is the Arbeg Annual, mm. yeah. um, this actually ties in a little bit with it comes to the, the cult we have and the big demand we have for new Arbeg. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Annual was released um, probably tail end of last year in Canada, at least it was early, mm-hmm. a bit early on that mm-hmm. in, in, in the UK. And it was Brendan McCarran who was kind of tasked to make a new Arbeg. It's like, no pressure, Brendan, you know? <laughs> <laughs> As if they no die, they've got 130,000 people yeah. <laughs> waiting for this. But he took inspiration again, just like from my understanding at least, is he took inspiration 
from another our big day release, which was our our big day, um, our big dark cove. Yeah. Yep. Which was a quite a sweet our big. Yes. Certainly one of the sweeter ones. And in terms of the lineup, if you think of the our big ten being the one that's got the sweet, uh, savory, and smoky kind of elements, mm-hmm. uh, and mineral as you mentioned there, Mark as well, the Ugadal being the with the big sherry component on it. We have the Cory Vrecken, which is probably the most, easily to say, it's probably the most intense of the core range. Mm-hmm. So what do you do next? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's actually quite a tough question, I think. Yeah. Because where do you go? Yeah. yeah. And the one thing we don't actually have it is going to be that sweet one. Mm-hmm. And b- because of Dark Cove being so well received, yeah. and as much as I, I wouldn't necessarily push on that it means something, it is the one the secondary market are going crazy for yeah. when, it, when it got released as well. Yeah. So I think Brendan took influence from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then... To make that, it was a combination of bourbon casks, Pedro Jimenez casks, mm-hmm. and a charred virgin oak from America. And that gives you the sweet style of our mm-hmm. big. For a lot of people, that would be the first. Yeah. I think the 10 or the anno would yeah. be. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I do it my, when it comes to samplings and tastings all the time. I'm not scared. Like, is yeah. you the first whiskey ever? Yeah. Have an R big. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get in there. <laughs> yeah. Have an R big yeah. 10. Yeah. Yeah, but I say the the Anno would be for someone that actually is a, it's a little bit more delicate in terms of the sweetness from the PX casks. Yeah. Because you don't do a lot of like high statement whiskey because it's as you say you don't produce as much. There's not as many barrels that get to hang out for 20, yep. 25 years for thirty years. So it, it's it's all about that kind of that blending and, and keeping it that. So uh, Ugadel doesn't have an age statement on it. A lot That's of right. pretty much a lot of the none of the regular releases have any statements on them. We've got the, the ten year old and then the Anno. Uh, which is forty six percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're probably talking around about the same age as the ten year old. Yeah. The to be um, a little bit conservative about it. Mm-hmm. I probably expect it's because of the cash we're using. You know, I I don't. I, I, in my own opinion, I think if you're using like virgin oak casks, if it's mm-hmm. charred, and you're using that for like maybe fifteen years, mm-hmm. it's not going to give you the same sort of profile you're wanting from a lighter, sweeter whiskey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and the same with the PX. Now these are big casks. Yeah. Yeah, you, you know, don't want to hang for too long. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, so I think we're quite we we're with the with the Anno. Um, let's see if you ask us, we're quite happy to see it's around about the same age as what you're going to get in the ten year old. Yeah. Uh, with the Ugadal and the Cory Vrecken, this is something when it comes to my own opinion on it. So if you don't have an age statement and it's a little bit higher price, give us the ABV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we'll be happy. Yeah. And yeah. I think that I'm glad that's the same way. And I say it quite a lot. Although the the Ugadal is older than you're going to get in the ten year old and the Cory Vrecken, probably around about the same age as the Ugi. If you do an average, mm-hmm. um, I'm quite happy personally when it comes to having the two of them there. Yeah. When it comes to high ABV mm-hmm. with no A statement, as opposed to an A statement and a lower ABV. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Especially for our bag, like it, it just works. It. Yeah. yeah. The brand yeah. It suits 100%, it really well. percent. It suits it really well. And of course, the other thing you have to remember as well is when it comes to the the, the phenols, the flavor compounds in the cask, it's one of the, the, the smokiness mm-hmm. is one of the first things to disappear mm-hmm. when it comes to maturation. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to re- keep that as well as you're going. You're, you're not wanting to, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having older peated whiskey, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's not the be all and end all. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So explain to the listeners the uh, sort of, uh, we might have done it before, but PPM, what, yeah. what does that mean and how is that measured? Yeah, so this is before, um, the, the barley goes through mashing. Mm-hmm. Um, we can actually have a spec when you order your peat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so your, your barley, beg your pardon, of what the peat content is going to be in it. So it's measured by phenols parts per million. 
There are some companies that will measure it at the front, like ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, some other companies have started to do it, a PPM measurement at the end. Mm -hmm. um, again, I think that it can sometimes go a lot bit out of control because in the same way it happens with beer, mm -hmm. like when you have like a hoppy beer, yep. people go a bit crazy about IBUs. IBUs yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to make a better product, but it's going to give you a, bit, a, a more idea of what kind of style and mm -hmm. what kind of intensity you're going to be getting. So if ours is 50 to 57 for a core range, we have had special editions where it's went up to 100, 101 with Supernova. And it's quite a rare Arbeg out there, yeah. which is called Blasta. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. No. no. 8 ppm. So it's virtually unpeated Arbeg. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. This, wow. Is, this is one of the experiments that happened back in the day when oh, it was Rudy yeah. McIntyre Sr. and Wardy oh, <laughs> playing, yeah. playing their tricks yeah, up there. Yeah, <laughs> Because I mean, yeah. all Scotch has some peat, right? Like this is mm -hmm. kind of like like so. Belvini does have some. It's undetectable mm -hmm. by yes. me, certainly. Yes. Uh, but it is under. But there is some peat there in is, all in yes. barley, pretty much. Yes. Yeah. That is true. And so, but at eight ppm, you're probably not. I think tasting it, yeah. I, 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 no, I've I've tried that, and I, I I can say this quite clearly that the blast that doesn't taste like Arbeg, your normal Arbeg, of course. Really, I'd be very um, curious to try it. Yeah, I've yeah. I've only been I've been lucky enough to try it once. Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. there's not a huge amount of it around. Yeah. And if you are find a bottle, it's probably going to be on the secondary market for a fair while. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the supernovas are so rare too, because there's only been two releases thus far. As there yeah, been more. Yeah. Well, the the supernova is one of these ones that every tasting I go to when it comes to the a real cult following. Yeah. yeah. It's like when you're bringing back a supernova. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do so, we have I, that one? We when did. did it come out? Um, we bought that one in Kentucky on a trip right. for like $90. And, right. and the person's like, you know, that's the whiskey that went to uh, the space. And I was yeah. like, well, yeah, no, they sent some whiskey to the space. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. That whiskey in that bottle went into outer space. I'm like, marketing. I've actually got a story about that yeah. as well. Because at the same time, is living a bit supernova. Our big also released Galileo, yeah, which was, right. another, was another one. And my whiskey club were actually planning a trip to go over to Isla for a holiday. So you're going to say the outer space. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Yeah, we're not that ambitious. Yeah. we can. It was hard, hard enough getting from Glasgow to Isla. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we had a meet up at our, our friend's house and. I sent we we kind of sent my my friend Graham out to Good Spirits Company in Glasgow to buy a bottle of whiskey. He said you might just get one from Isla. Mm -hmm. How's going? And we had a look to see what's coming out, and I spotted our big Galileo. I'm like, ah, whiskey from space. Sign us up, Graham. Go get one. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so Graham comes back with it, and the Arbeg Galileo um, again quite a sweeter Arbeg. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a, a Marsala cask is one of the components of mm -hmm. it. We took it back, Graham put it back to the house. We absolutely loved it and we tanned the bottle just about and we left <laughs> just a little bit. Now, this is something we're meant to take to Isla with us, you yeah, know? Yeah, no, right. never made it. <laughs> so uh, we sent Graham back into the Good Spirits to get a, a new bottle and I believe Matthew from the Good Spirits laughed in his face. With <laughs> <laughs> us not knowing it was a special edition and it was now worth three times the amount on the secondary market. <laughs> Pretty much did the same thing at the same store, I think, in. What two thousand and eight or two thousand nine? I picked up the super uh, supernova and the first Octomore <laughs> at the same time, and they were expensive. I remember like, wow, this is a lot of money for whiskey. It's so cheap by comparison yeah. to today, 
And I'm like, oh, these are nice. I drank them both within, I don't know, six. I, it was so like, it just went. Within a year, it was gone. I it was like six months. Like, oh, this is really delicious. I'll, I'll get more of this when, uh, oh, wait, it's it's just not coming back. I mean, Octomore has eventually came out with the new releases, but uh, but Supernova does, does not generally yeah. come back. Um, and yeah, you just don't, you know, those early days of whiskey drinking, you're just like, I'll just get another bottle because that's how it is. No one takes it for granted anymore. <laughs> no. No, everyone knows way too much. Like, you can't make that mistake anymore. There's just no way. There's too many podcasts and tweets out there and Instagram accounts for you Social to buy media. accidents, oh, you know, down tight. a $1,200. I mean, <laughs> I did have a pappy and I did open it and I did crush it. But like, I did it like over the course of like two years yeah. and like it did it on the special occasions and stuff like that so it's it's hard now to like get a bottle and then not realize that i mean actually probably in ontario it's pretty easy because we've got that you know that structure of you don't really get that secondary market pricing regardless yeah. so if you you know stumble upon you know a pile at the lcbo for 150 bucks then yeah you could potentially maybe if you didn't know if you weren't a whiskey drinker. Yeah, you could come across it. Like yeah. it's it's, it's yeah. true. But it's it's not like the good old days of No. Good old days. The good old days just like buy I was whiskey. There. I wasn't even there. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie's like, I didn't even exist I for the good old even, days. Yeah, I didn't I, I was not a part of the good old days. But oh. I hear they were great. <laughs> well, uh, I guess a lot of people do say that when it comes to some of the special editions, if you like the idea of it in terms of the, the makeup of it, mm -hmm. then you buy one to drink and then one to put away yeah. for a special occasion or unfortunately some people will just put it straight onto a, an auction site you know but um i think i think it's, I, I think having the special editions that we release the the kind of the hype that goes around it mm -hmm. is fantastic and but it's a lot of pressure you know it's a lot of pressure when it comes to every year yeah you have to do something different but also something that's going to appease this uh, this massive following you've got yeah. and i think the, the whiskey creation team are doing a fantastic job of getting all these different uh, different casks and putting them together to make something different. And the distillery, one thing Arbeg is known for since it's reopened under Glenmorangie is the consistency. Mm -hmm. well, we don't tend to get bad batches. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I was really surprised. Uh, you know, the namings are great. So this year's uh, was, was Grooves. Grooves, yeah. Um, which I actually, some of our friends were really surprised by the branding. Like, well, what does this mean? I'm like, I, I don't know. It's, it just looks it's cool. What, so Ardbeg, though. I know. It's very, it's just, like, this is Ardbeg. It's cheeky. Like, it's fun. Like, they don't take themselves too seriously. What was the Ardbog? Ardbog. Yeah. <laughs> So it's right. like, you know, even like Galileo and like, you know, the, the branding. Yeah. Like the, the branding is like, you know, playful and fun and like, you know, with the dog and everything. Like Shorty. It, yeah. Just like a, it's fun. I think it that's didn't it. surprise me that they did it. I no, think, I think one thing I would say though, is that in terms of all the different Arbeg data releases, Grooves is the one that actually makes sense because we use a heavily charred red wine cask mm -hmm. um, to the same sort of char as the previous release, Alligator. Mm -hmm. Now, as you know, when you heavily char a cask, it creates grooves in the cask. That's right. And from grooves, we went groovy. And before you know it, it's Pete and love. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love it. I, I do think that's uh, something that doesn't always get through to, uh, to the thing is our bag is a very playful brand. Yeah. It doesn't, it looks, you know, it looks a little like, uh, like, Oh, you know, the dark, dark and, and like, like yeah. yeah, but, but the, the concept is oh, very playful. I, 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 I say it, um, all the time. I actually, I, I, I tend not to script my tastings too much. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I don't have the attention span for that. <laughs> Me neither. Yeah, like that's in podcasting. So, yeah. but I always, I do, I do always have the like a final piece that I usually say at my tastings, mm. and it's just sort of just a sort of what sums up about what our big is to me, away from the quality of the whiskey and uh, and its history and its story. Um, the people at our big are mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. If you uh, if you ever go to Isla, go to our big, mm-hmm. and if you meet people like uh, like Mickey Heads, one of the biggest gentlemen in the whole industry, and Jackie Thompson who runs our visitor center. Mm-hmm. She is one of the funniest people I've ever met. And it makes sense when you go there mm-hmm. and you kind of see this, how down to earth yep. and, and funny people are, uh, but also they're just really good at their job. Yep. You know, you can kind of understand it. Uh, I think that, I, I think that we, we, I think when it comes to the, our big day releases, we do want them to be a little bit more playful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what's in the bottle is not. What's in the yeah. bottle yes. is always good whiskey. Yeah, yeah. I, and, and you're right, the, um, every year to have that pressure, the committee, the, every year to have a special release, uh, and what was it going to be? You you only have so many options. You you have a lot of different barrel options, but now yeah. you're just you're blending different different combinations and, well, and, and doing I that. I think I think you can easily go towards the route of just doing something different. I mean, this is where the the grooves came in. The it was first whiskey matured in the heavily charred red wine casks. Yeah, and it's one it's just one thing to say. All right, we're the we're the first at doing this. But people don't talk about that once they've tried it. They don't yeah. talk about that. It's the actual amazing flavors that you get from it. it it's and actually bizarre because I, I've seen reviews. People were like, I don't get any wine on this. I'm like, well, that's maybe the point. Like, yeah. you may get a tiny speck yeah. of wine because you're thinking wine. Like, all right, what's what's? The, but you're, you're not going to get a wine finish. The on grooves it. is one of the... I, I, I said this when I was doing my training to my boss. I says, when it comes to the grooves, it's certainly one of the most unusual art bags that I've tried because on the three times that I've I did I tried I've written down my tasting notes for it, mm-hmm. I was getting different things. Yeah. And a lot of people have said that about it. And regardless of um, what you think of the marketing of it, I think the the actual real complexity of it is there. And it's a real int- it's, it's one of these whiskies that I say quite similar to the the Ugadal we're gonna try, is that it's a good whiskey if you haven't at a house you get to know it. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like it's a different whiskey from the start to where it is the end. Yeah. And I love whiskey when it's like that. Yeah. 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 It's true. It's true. With uh, that's the best. Those are the the, the funnest uh, reviews to write is when you're uh, when you just have the bottle and you're just like learning it along the way yeah. as it gets down and down and you're like okay this is you, you get it because sometimes you don't like it's just it takes a, it takes time. Um, with um, so we've got uh, so. We're doing Ugadel now, which I can actually pronounce. It looks very <laughs> scary to read. I'm like, it I does. just, I freeze. Um, uh, Corey, and then as you pour this, tell us about Corey Vecken, because that's the opposite of this, I guess. It's just, it's more. Well, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say necessarily that it's opposite. Um, I would say that if you, we're, we're going to have a try of the Ugadel, yeah. where it's got all the big, all the sherry cask influence, along with the bourbon cask. The Corey Vecken uses a very unusual, uh, like virgin French oak. Mm-hmm. It's there, and it certainly give, the the core of reckon to me does deserve its title as being probably the most intense Arbeg, because you get a fair bit of earthiness and spice mm-hmm. along with the peat influence, as opposed to the Ugadal, where that sherry cask influence gives you a lot more like dark chocolate mm-hmm. and the kind of dried fruit flavors. They they are both such terrific whiskeys, and and I know uh, we Jamie and I've had them side by side a couple of times at different events and at home. And and there there's just such a always such a spirited argument between Ugadal and Corvecan as to who somebody likes more, mm-hmm. but they're both terrific whiskeys. Oh, yeah. is, it comes down to preference. It yeah. really comes down to you. You like uh, 
I recall one's more uh, like for me when I said opposite, I mean, one's one's more like forward sweet on the front, the other one's more sweet on the back, and then mm -hmm. that kind of that spice transfers a little differently, so you get these different notes. And so to me, they on the palate they do the same thing, just different direction, and yeah. there's just a little bit more in one and the other. So you you can have a favor because they are different on the palate completely. Well, what I'd recommend for anyone um, on the with the Corey of Reckon is that mm -hmm. when it comes to pairing, mm -hmm. a lot of people. Would use chocolate, which is fantastic with our big. I'm going more you and any whiskey for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> but I was over in Halifax and I did a fantastic, I had a fantastic group with me to do a tasting with. And I just came back from Scotland and my mum is famous for making a, like a Scottish sweet. It's called Tablet. So I don't know if you if ever you, I'll, I've bring heard some, of it. I'll, I'll get my mum to make you some. I was going to say, I think you mentioned it before yeah. in conversation. It's more famous, my mum's tablet. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> uh, but tablet is like other Scottish delicacies. It's probably not the best for you. It's mostly sugar and condensed milk and butter. And it's kind of <laughs> like, it's got, a lot of people say it's got a similar con consistency to like a hard fudge. So when it came to the end of the tasting in Halifax, I, uh, I thought, I'm going to try this. Let's see if we can do Tablet and Corey of Reckon. Mm -hmm. And it went down at an absolute storm. So it's, and I think that's, I, I, need to, I'm, I need to see if I can get my mum to make a batch just yes. for, for, for our big. <laughs> <Into Canada. laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. So this is the, the Ugadal. Oh, uh, man. I love this yeah. one. Yeah, right? I need a bottle at my house. I know. It's, uh, if only you knew a guy. Yeah. <laughs> you wish I knew somebody <laughs> could help me get a bottle. So this is, uh, I was telling you before about the Hoff and Hoff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is a fantastic whiskey to have a hoff and hoff with. What kind um, of beer would you drink it with? Um, I've tried a few. Yeah. You know, for science. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say that uh, with something like this, uh, uh, probably something like a stout I probably would mm -hmm. go with, with all that kind of dark chocolate and the yep. dried fruit. But at the same time, I've I've had this with even like a like a kind of like a lighter hopped beer, and some of the kind of some like you know some of the like a. A light IPA, something like a kind of sherbetiness of mm -hmm. it that goes pretty well with the peat as well. Yeah. But I would say with this one, like a nice stout would, would be yeah. go with it. Oh, for sure. Perfect love, for this time of year. Yeah, I love how every element of the arbeck comes through. I mean, the mineral mineral comes through, the sweetness comes through. Like you just, it, it just hits all these nice points so wonderfully yeah. uh, on such uh, lovely levels. And the proof point helps certainly. Yeah, fifty-four point two percent. But I, I, I say this is that I, I never knew that for years. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't present itself as that high in yeah. ABV. Yeah. It's got this beautiful like saltiness too, like mm -hmm. just like, and I like savory. Like I'm drawn to savory yeah. notes. So like for me, it's beautiful. I love this one. And if you can't pronounce it, just call it the Oogie. The Oogie. Yeah. 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 Oogadell. I can. It's. It's spelt though for our listeners. U G E A. D A I L. Oogadell. Yeah. Obviously. Oogadell. I feel like we should have a podcast where we bring in like cue cards for Mark, like with like <laughs> like really hard like whiskey names on them, and just do like a quiz. Yeah, that's true. Well, I, I mean, I do I do listen to the show. I have heard your your attempts at Bunahaven. Butchering <laughs> I do my best. I do my best. Um, I started at this job as a writer. I just keep reminding everybody. I, I literally, when I started podcasting, like I realized, oh crap, I never pronounce any of these names because I literally would write about them all the time and do whiskey tastings and so I spend it and I'm like oh crap I gotta pronounce everything now this is this is a little different a little different <laughs> it's a bit harder as well or maybe easier after three or four drums I'm yeah. not sure yes that's right or you just stop caring yeah yeah <laughs> but there's a 
I think it's really good. I think the, as, as the range as a whole, you know, you've got the... It kind of fits um, every kind of flavour, I think, along with the smoke. Um, and again, there's, I've, there's nothing wrong with having whiskey, which is just one thing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see any issue with that. The time and a place for it. Um, if, you know, if you want something that's just peat or, you know, if you want a sherry bomb, like I'm not yeah. opposed to that at all. Mm-hmm. But I think with Arbeg, I think the one thing that does sort of stand mm-hmm. out from other peated whiskies is that from four expressions, mm-hmm. they are so different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how have you been finding uh, your job now, Arbeg 10? What's, uh, how's, how has the audience uh, that you've been going to treated you during whiskey tastings? What's yeah, um, once they understand what I'm saying, it kind of helps. Uh, no, it's been fantastic. The, uh, because for so long I was in the audience and mm-hmm. I was always the person, you know, my hand up and, and asking. <laughs> Nerd. For, uh, uh, yes, I was. <laughs> As I was the person asking, like, okay, what's your fermentation time and like, what kind of, what's your PPM count, that sort of idea. Um, it's awesome when you get that and it's like, yeah, I'm that person. And I have mm-hmm. to take myself away from it sometimes when it mm-hmm. comes to a tasting and yeah. say, we'll talk about this later yeah. to someone. Because yeah. I would be there all day just like talking about the real science of it. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people are real interested in that. The masterclass I had recently, you had people asking, these fantastic questions coming out about like different flavor compounds. I'm like, ah, this is excellent, getting real into the nitty gritty yeah. of it. And then I have other tastings, which are just as fun, mm-hmm. where it's people a little bit new to whiskey and maybe people that want to know really from the, the guts of it, what's the story of whiskey and why, what makes scotch different to the rest of the spirits in the world. Mm-hmm. And that's exciting as well. Um, it really is. It's a, it's a fantastic job for myself to, to not only show how much I've learned, in terms of the my, my studying of Scotch for years and years, but also getting a real good idea of what the rest of Canada is like in terms of what 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 hits and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Quality is key, mm-hmm. and that's something that I've sort of learned. And uh, this is something I was a bit apprehensive about when it came to some of the Arbeg tastings for people that were new to it initially. But if they can tell a good product, yep. Canada really knows, and they'll tell you if it's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true, because you, you will have people yeah. that do not want peated yeah. whiskey at all. Um, but there are kind of converts that happens all the time. Oh, for sure. And I think, you know, it's it, it it's not a difficult thing to sort of get into. Like, you know, if you start, you know, you always start somewhere. And for some people, they start right in, like right away in the big peaty ones. And it just sort of appeals to their palate, depends yep. on, you know, what they sort of enjoy. And we talked about this before, you know, if we have bourbon drinkers, you know, a lot of times bourbon drinkers who like a really big, sweet, spicy bourbon will be very drawn yeah. to peaty whiskeys because mm-hmm. it's yep. a mouthful. It's a big, like non-apologetically sort of flavored whiskey. So I think I think one of the things that's been the key to me to the link between Scotland and Canada for Arbeg specifically is that you know, in terms of like where people drink, you know, around the campfire or going out hiking, mm-hmm. you know, Scotland and Canada are very closely mm-hmm. linked in terms of apart yeah. from the winters obviously in Canada, yeah. <laughs> but for the rest of the time it's they're quite closely linked in terms of what people do in the summer and getting out with a hip flask, yeah, around about there is Arbeg to me is for a lot of people the, the smells and the taste of Arbeg are not something you necessarily eat off a plate. But they're somewhere, they remind you of a place. You know, be that out in the hills next to the campfire or, mm-hmm. say, walking past the ocean or whatever. 
Oh, I gotta I go camping someday. <laughs> I was gonna say last time I or, uh, last oh. few times I brought a hip flask was to uh, to weddings because you know you never yeah. know you're gonna have you a wedding. Know. Just gonna have a wedding. I would argue against camping, but that's just. Me. I know. I feel like you're talking to the wrong Canadians here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The least adventurous Canadians <laughs> of us all. Yeah. yeah, this is why people hate Torontonians. It's true. Uh, <laughs> yes, we should try camping. Um, no, no. That's yeah. gonna, well, it was a, gonna happen. Uh, one of the tastings recently, um, actually the one that you were at as well, Jamie, yeah. in Banff. It was yeah. the Banff Whiskey Experience. Yeah, that looked really cool. It was, it was yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I opened up uh, with a terrible joke, as I always do, <laughs> but I had mentioned that my accent's not from here. I'm actually from Toronto. I know my word, the daggers I got from the Banff audience, they were, oh, not, yeah. they were not a fan of Toronto. No. <laughs> Basically, the entire like country is not a fan of Toronto. I've so, learned this, yeah. Yeah, I just stop telling people that I'm from here. Just launch right into the, and then it, they'll ask you at some point, and you'll have to be like, sorry, I'm from Toronto. I actually had someone boo me once, and I was like, I'm from Toronto, and they're like, boo. And I was like, Wow. She'd just be like, Ouch. I'm from Queen's Key, Ontario. Yeah, remember, like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Key. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it sounds so charming. Um, yeah. No, don't tell anyone you're from Toronto. That's, but that's the biggest Toronto. difference is the lack of camping from, from the Torontonians. It's like, we, yeah, yeah we, we do complain when we go. And there's a, a highway 401 that's north of the city, and yeah. we, just, we just don't venture past that point. No, I don't even We're like going halfway. north of Queen Street. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> really, yes. <laughs> But no, uh, but yes, uh, this is why people hate Toronto. No, um, so that's that's great. So I mean, having to that experience, you you really get to like experience Canada in a way you haven't before because you, yeah. you were primarily in Toronto during kind of visiting and and, and immigrating here uh, and all that. Um, and uh, so the Banff experience was a lot of fun. I'm very jealous, guys. That that looked really really great. It was awesome. So yeah, Banff is, I mean, I'm sure even Americans are it's just this beautiful uh, Alberta. And, uh, there's mountains and there's a lake Mountain and town and it's a town. Oh yeah, it's beautiful like stunning yeah um, and you're spoiled for choice aren't you like every, you, every, every yeah. you look yeah it's beautiful oh 100 you can't you can't even take a bad picture on your phone like if you just <laughs> stuck your phone out and just took a picture it, it's be, it's beautiful um so we were lucky enough to be there for the banff whiskey experience which is a great show um although they scheduled bry and my master class <laughs> oh. at the same time oh, no. yeah. so i couldn't go to his he couldn't come to mine yeah. um but uh no we had a great time i had um i had a Stephen from Crown Royal came to my master class yeah. and the um, uh, Christopher who's Scotch Cooper uh, also turned up at the Balvenie master class which was super fun um, and I went to his master class so like stuff that's a little different from you know what we normally do you know at a, a, a whiskey show uh, it was kind of cool that Coopering master classes and yeah it was uh, I remember. Uh, so Scotch, Scotch Cooper, um, I, I thought you, you guys were together in the mountains, and he posted a photo uh, or a video of him with the Glencairn glass, and I, I thought you guys were together. I'm like, this is going to sound like I'm an asshole if you're not together. But if you're together, it'll be very funny. I'm like, are you sure that's the appropriate glassware at that high altitude? <laughs> and I'm like, that'd only be funny if Jamie was there. And he's like, Jamie's not here, but I get it. It's very funny. <laughs> because you never know at that high altitude. I don't you know. Never you never know. May, you know have to I wouldn't be, you wouldn't catch me hiking up to a high altitude that's for sure so yeah, definitely given that i was not there um, <laughs> but it was a great show i think brian had a great time it yeah, was yeah. yeah it was fantastic audience yeah uh, great audience they knew their stuff yeah. so we could get really into the nitty-gritty of of this so yeah i'd say next year for sure if you're looking for one to go to that you want to see sort of the most beautiful spot in canada one of the most beautiful spots yeah. banff is it 
Yeah, and oh, I mean, yeah. this is such a great time for whiskey events in Canada in general. Yes. Uh, you guys are going off to Newfoundland next. Newfoundland yep. is next. Um, and Ottawa after oh, yeah. that. We're going to see a lot of each other. around the yeah. corner as well. Uh, Pardon me? The New Brunswick uh, Whiskey New Brunswick is around the corner. Yeah, a couple in Calgary coming up as well. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's just, it's, it's go, go, go from now, I guess, until the holidays. So yeah. lots going on. Um, yeah, so uh, Bri, where can people follow your adventures? Yeah, um, I'm a big Instagram guy. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, so it's at Whiskey Bry. That's whiskey without an E, B-R-Y. Um, if there's a good incentive to follow me, myself from Brendan McCarran, I've got a competition to see who gets the 2,000 followers first and oh. the loser buys beer. Oh, um, yeah. so follow Whiskey Bry. And not Brendan. Unfollow and Brendan. Unfollow <laughs> Brendan. I'm going to get in trouble for saying that, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> Mark, where can people find you online? <laughs> M-A-R-K-B-Y-L-O-K on Instagram and Twitter. Though I'm mostly active on Instagram. I think Instagram, Instagram I think just, we yeah. figured it out. Yeah. It's yeah. the beer winner here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm at Bourbon Thing. All right, guys. Thank you so much for coming. Brian, thanks Thank for you. being here. Right. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.